This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. For me, it's the unpredictability that goes along with vision loss that can make you kind of feel like you're a blindfolded tightrope walker. I always admired these people and wondered what their secret was that allowed them to do what they did so fluidly. Their instincts, balance, and agility had to by far be above average, I would say. But my personal lack of focus and my innate desire to multitask definitely ruled me out of that profession. Yet, here I was, trying to navigate the world without a safety net beneath me. I remember one time that was particularly challenging. Brad was dropping me off at the front doors of the hospital, on my way to an abrupt appointment at Dr. Garcia's office. Hey Becky, somebody's parked in front of the ramp, so when you get out, the ramp's on your left-hand side, but watch out for the concrete column that's on the right-hand side while you're walking in. As I was walking, I thought to myself, God, why is this happening again? My vision is total crap. What can be going on? What did I miss? Holy I just walked face first into the giant cement pole. I could feel the blood rushing towards my face as my head began to throb. My hand automatically went to the exact location of my newfound giant goose egg in the middle of my forehead. Suddenly, I could hear my husband's voice rushing towards me. Are you okay? Oh my god, I just watched it all play out and there was nothing I could do to stop it. Move your hand. Let me see your forehead, Brad said. Both of us momentarily stood there, a little stunned and shocked. By what just happened. Without a second thought, my mind flipped into nursing mode and I started doing a quick mental head-to-toe assessment of myself. Beside the giant growing bump in the middle of my forehead, I appeared to be totally fine. Ice, I said. I need to put ice on this right away. I need to go to an emergency and get an ice pack and then I'm going to continue heading up to Dr. Garcia's office. Brad replied, Are you sure you don't need to get properly checked out first, Becky? No, I'm fine. I'm not dizzy. I can think straight, and I'm pretty sure my vision hasn't changed anymore. So, I'm pretty sure I'm fine. I just need to get some ice on it now. I changed direction away from the main entrance towards the emergency doors. There, I was greeted by a triage nurse who immediately obviously noticed the giant goose egg in the middle of my forehead. She said, Oh my, what happened? I replied back, I'm fine. I just walked face first into the giant cement poles outside the main entrance. I'm pretty sure I'm fine. I'm just wondering if I can please get an ice pack to put on it. After a back and forth conversation where she was desperately trying to convince me to get checked out, She hesitantly handed me an ice pack, as I promised her that if anything changed at all, 
I would return back to emergency to have it properly looked at. I thanked her and headed on my way towards Dr. Garcia's office, my initial destination. I'm Becky Zar, and this is The Blind Reality. As I began to navigate my way through the cool hospital halls, I couldn't help but think back on all of the times that I walked the exact same halls in various stages of my life. But today, I felt like a different person now. I no longer had an easy bounce to my step. The steps that I took now required calculation and concentration. At one time, I used to be relaxed and somewhat impulsive, but now my life, it required scheduling and significant planning. In my 20s, my confidence overflowed and I felt like I was totally ready to conquer the world. But now, today as an example, I didn't even have the independent capabilities to simply maneuver my way into a familiar building without injuring myself. As I continued to make my way towards Dr. Garcia's office, listening to my steps and the sound of my mobility cane smoothly gliding back and forth over the floor in front of me, it was at that moment that I realized that since I was 20, I had come so far, yet I had lost so much. It was also at that moment that I decided that I've done enough pretending and it's now time to move forward. It's time to add some confidence back in myself. And if I was lucky, maybe I would even get a little bit of bounce back in my step. It was now time for me to no longer walk alone. It was time to have my first guide dog by my side. I promised myself at that moment that I would finally submit my application for a guide dog And there was absolutely no more putting it off. There was no more making excuses or simply pretending that I was fine. Moments later, my thoughts were interrupted as I began to listen to a text message that I had just received. Are you okay? I saw that you were holding an ice pack to your head and I just saw you in emergency and I came to look for you in the waiting room and you're not there. I let out a quiet giggle. The text was from a friend of mine who happens to be an ER doctor at that hospital. I replied back to her text, briefly explaining what had happened and that I thought I was totally fine. After several text messages between the two of us, I ended up promising that as soon as I was done at Dr. Garcia's office, I would come to the emergency room so she can give me a proper look over. Despite the day's events and my throbbing head, I couldn't help but feel some warmth in my heart. She was another fantastic person that I was so lucky to have in my life. Really, we had met by happen chance and a friendship was easily formed. Although we don't get to see each other too often, whenever we do run into each other, which usually ends up being at the rink, we easily pick right up where we left off. Anyway, as promised, she did check me over. And besides that giant goose egg, the only thing that was damaged that day was a piece of my pride. Later that day, 
seated next to my husband on our way home. My fingers fidgeted with my collapsed cane that rested on my lap. I peered out the window at the blurred images that were quickly passing by. Stopped at a red light, my hesitant voice quickly changed the subject. I said, I've made a decision and I think it's time for me to get a guide dog. I'd like to submit the application this week before I change my mind. My husband easily replied, yeah, that's probably a good idea. I let out the breath that I had been holding and I felt just a little bit lighter. I had spoke the same words to my husband one other time before. It was about a year prior. I had been back working for the government in my nursing role. I was completely determined that I was going to independently travel to and from work on my own, so I decided to use city transit. As a result, I navigated the city streets and crossed various intersections successfully on my own. But at that time, I had noticed a slight fluctuation in my eyesight. That morning when I was crossing the street, I was heading into the direct, low-lying spring sun. And in the middle of the street, the sun hit me. It completely poured through my sunglasses at a precise angle, washing away all of the images that surrounded me, as well as the one landmark that I had been aiming for. Within seconds, I felt completely disorientated, and I knew that I had got myself into a really dangerous situation that was going to be really difficult for me to rapidly problem-solve my way out of. I got across the street, but I was still unsure whether I was walking on the side of the street or on the actual sidewalk. Oncoming traffic was coming straight towards me, and I was unable to see if the drivers were actually paying attention or if they were actually able to recognize that I was struggling. Shaken, yet determined, I ended up making my way to the bus and eventually to my office. Slightly shaking, I sat still in my office chair, and I remember feeling really grateful that I was able to somehow navigate myself out of that scary situation. But I also felt very disappointed in myself for letting that even happen. A couple minutes later, my boss came bounding into my office, already talking to me before she even reached my office door. Without missing a beat, her conversation continued as she swung the office door closed and took a chair. Mid-sentence, she stopped talking, and her voice took a more serious tone as she asked me if I was okay. I'd always thought that I had a pretty good filter and that I was really good at concealing my emotions or an experience that I wasn't quite ready to share. But that day... My level of vulnerability was sky high, and every single emotion that I was feeling was painted all over my face. I explained to her what had happened, and that I had a very serious reality check that had left me completely shaken. 
Her arms were suddenly outreached and around me, giving me a hug and saying some encouraging words. She offered me a ride home then, or if I preferred, at the end of the day. I so wanted to take her up on that offer. I just wanted to go home and be done. But I knew if I took the easy way out this time, that the next time I went to go use my cane, it would be even harder. I just wanted life to be normal. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. And that feeling of fear most definitely hasn't entirely left me. Yet, for some reason, my mind was not ready for a guide dog. So, I just forged on. Over the years, so many people have asked me, when are you getting a guide dog? Why don't you have a guide dog? If I'm being honest, I hated these questions. Initially, I would sort of laugh it off and say, I already have a dog. Our family dog was the polar opposite of a guide dog. He was a fuzzy white Westie Terrier. He was mischievous, barked his butt off at anything and everything, totally didn't come when I asked him to, and eating the garbage was one of his favorite pastimes. Yet, I willingly used him as an excuse, right up until the day he passed away. After 16 years of having him around, and then suddenly he was gone, my heart was broken, and I used that as an excuse. I got really good at coming up with excuses. Despite knowing all of the amazing ways that a guide dog would actually be able to help me, if I'm being truthful, all of the excuses were just that, excuses. Honestly, for me, the biggest reason for the delay was because a guide dog is a long-term thing. And I had to be willing to admit to myself that my vision loss was not going to be remedied anytime soon. And in fact, it was long-term. It was really difficult for me to truly come to terms with this. I'm totally still hopeful, but... I'm also realistic. A cane, on the other hand, could be easily tossed away with no remnant reminders. I could have it one day and it could be completely gone the next with no hesitation or emotional connection. A dog, however, it signals that I'm kind of pitting in for the long haul. And initially, I looked at this as a bad thing. But now... I kind of look at my pitting in as me being willing to persevere and continue to live my life while I patiently try to wait for a medical solution to be found, tweaked and mastered. But between now and then, I realize that I actually need to live. I need to be able to function safely and I need to be a mom that Bennett and look up to. I need to continue to just push forward and maintain my position in my life. I recognize that I may not always have total confidence in doing something, but with a guide dog by my side, 
it's likely going to give me that extra nudge. To me, deciding to get a guide dog was a huge decision because despite all of the good, there were definitely things to consider. My husband would now be the guy that had a wife with a guide dog. There would be no more folding up my cane, placing it in my purse, and then magically blending into society. I actually feared that I would be more noticeable, more on display. I also knew that there was a lot that went into applying for and preparing for a guide dog before they even entered your life. But today was the day that I realized that it was actually finally time to take this next big step. My vision had dipped and I no longer had the ability to safely navigate on my own using just a cane. I did not want to go back into hiding and miss out on everything. I felt like I had just come so far to just give in now. I've always loved dogs and the possibilities that came along with a guide dog made my heart beat just a little faster with excitement. So, with a deep breath, a clear mind, and a full heart, my husband sat next to me and we completed the application together. Within days of making that decision, my application was submitted, and I had officially applied for my first guide dog. Because I had thought about getting a guide dog so many times over the years, I had already done the research. I was aware of all of the top schools and the various breeds that a guide dog could come in. There was a lot of information and opinions that I needed to sort through. But in the end, I had selected my top three schools. However, I decided to only apply to one school. I totally knew that I was kind of putting all of my eggs in one basket, so to speak, which ultimately could totally end up backfiring on me. I knew it was a bit of a risky move, but I felt like it was the right decision for me at that time. After finally hitting that submit button, I made a phone call to my orientation and mobility instructor because part of the application process is being able to demonstrate proficient use with your mobility cane. Now, I know what you're thinking, but besides walking into that huge pole and a few hiccups over the years, I did actually feel like my cane stills were fairly decent. Truthfully, I just no longer trusted it. Realistically, there's only so much information that you can obtain from a non-verbal object. There was a margin of error that I just no longer wanted to take. It's funny though, because initially I resented my cane so much because of what it represented. And I was always yearning for that moment that I could just get rid of it and give it up. But ironically, I've likely been holding on to that cane for far too long in a way. Scared to give it up, I guess. Scared to go ahead and take that next step. 
Over the next several months, I worked on fine-tuning my mobility skills, memorizing all of my routes so that they were all completely mastered, and we were preparing for a dog to be once again back in our home. It's funny, because I had spent years pondering what life might be like with a guide dog, wavering back and forth and weighing the decision from so many angles. But that day that I submitted my application, I never looked back, not once. I did, however, spend a lot of time wondering and waiting, waiting for that phone call to let me know that I had been matched with an amazing guide dog and that my wait was finally over. I knew that it was an intricate process that took time and that a guide dog would not easily arrive at my doorstep. But it's really hard for your mind to understand that you must once again wait until somebody gives you the okay to move forward in your own personal life. I've honestly struggled with the lack of control that I at times feel that I have in my own life since my vision loss occurred. Despite what some may say, I'm not a total control freak, but when I have decided something, I've decided it, and I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for it to happen, whatever it happens to be. I really don't take big decisions lightly, like I've already previously discussed, but God, it's just so frustrating when you're an adult and you have to wait for permission it kind of makes you feel like an inept child i could so easily see myself engaging in the world around me independently with confidence yet i remain fixed on my couch waiting today I thought it'd be great to have a conversation with my orientation and mobility specialist, Lisa. She was there at the beginning, handing me my first white cane, and she also picked up the phone when I declared that I was ready to have my first guide dog. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi, I'm glad to be here. My first question for you is, can you briefly explain what the role is of an orientation and mobility specialist? I assist people who are blind and low vision to move around their environment safely and with confidence. So we learn to develop new skills and concepts in order for them to travel safely and independently in their home and in their community. Why did you decide to work in this profession? I needed a change. I was living in Prince Albert and I was working with seniors and I was working for a nonprofit and I just asked the universe for something different and unusual and I actually put in an application with the CNIB and they offered to play my schooling and so that's why I decided to become an orientation mobility specialist. I'm guessing that I was not your only client who's ever hated using their cane, but From your perspective, why do you think people resist using their cane so much? I think people resist using a cane because it makes it loud and clear that you have a disability when you put have a white cane. And that really puts people off that they have to admit to themselves that they have a disability because that's the first thing you put into the public 
and it's a white cane. You can't really hide a disability when you're carrying a white cane. Yeah. You know, I think you're right because I can definitely relate to feeling like that. I mean, I personally wasn't ready to admit my vision loss to myself. And so I most definitely didn't want to or wasn't ready to advertise it, I'm going to say, to the rest of the world. When I called to tell you that I finally was ready to apply for a guide dog, what did you think? I wasn't surprised because most people are on their own journey when they decide to get a guide dog. So sometimes people waffle back and forth about, should I get one? Should I not? Am I ready? For all different kinds of reasons. So I wasn't surprised because once somebody decides they that's what they want and they they want it yesterday, their dog. They don't want to be on a waiting list. They don't because they've made the decision and they're clear about how they want to proceed in their independence. Yeah, and that's totally bang on and how I felt because I didn't want the dog tomorrow. I didn't want it the next day. I totally wanted it like yesterday or at least the day that I applied. I was just so ready for it by that point. And that brings us to the end of this episode of The Blind Reality. I'd like to thank my O&M instructor, Lisa, for coming and having a chat with me today and for putting up with me over the years. As always, I'd like to thank my family for their continued love and support. This episode was written and produced by me, Becky Zarr. Technical production was provided by AMI-audio's Nasreen Abdel-Majid. And the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Remember, until next time, if you need a hand, get it. If you can give a hand, give it. Thanks for listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.